All right, all right. Um, I chose to speak about one of the very, uh, I can't say complicated topic, but something that people doesn't want to hear about. This month is a month where our senior pastor asked us to speak more about royalty. Something very beautiful. Wow. But on the same note, I decided to say, Lord, through your word, let us speak about the disciplines of royalty. You don't just become a royalty person out of nothing. I want us as the church to understand that in royalty, there are disciplines. Maybe to make it more simpler, I'm going to leave the issue of royalty a little bit. I want to speak about the disciplines of salvation. In salvation, we don't do what we want to do. In salvation, we don't live as we wish to live. In salvation, there are rules, there are laws. There are things which are expected of you when God chooses you. None of us came to Christ by himself or herself. We were chosen by God. Through his word, he convicted you and planted you among the other believers. We may be in the people's church in Pulukwan, but we are part and parcel of the body of Christ, which is the universal church. Hallelujah. Yes, we are in Polokwan. Yes, we are in Assemblies of God. Yes, we are in this place. But we know that we form part and parcel of the whole body of Christ. And let me tell you, this body does not only consist of the black people alone. There are Indians there. There are the Chinese there. There are the white people there. Everybody, God, put us into this body. That's why when you look at the body of, human, of human, humanity, this body doesn't, it's not consist of one type of, uh, 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 you know, like an arm or a leg. There are many parts in the body, very differently. And they work different, I mean, different roles that, you know, make sure that the body is one. I'll give an example. The legs cannot do what the mind is doing. The eyes cannot do, you know, what my hands can do. The, the ears, everybody, every part of the body plays an important role to make sure that the whole body is healthy. And that's you. Hallelujah. That's why I want us to speak about what? The disciplines of the church. May God bless you all. Let's open from the book of First Peter, chapter 2. First Peter, chapter 2. I'm just going to quote the first one that was given to us, which is verse 9. But I'm going to walk us through from chapter 1 and chapter 2 to verse 10. The verse that was quoted for us to go through, it says, but you, referring to the church, referring to the believers in Christ, Peter is saying to this congregation, you are a chosen people. 
This is the first point I want to speak to you. When you are saved, when God saves you, he makes you to become what? A person who is chosen. Number two, he says, you are a royal priesthood. The third one, he says what? You are a holy nation. The fourth one, in verse 9, he says, you are God's special position. This is who we are. This is who you are. Hallelujah. In the hand of God. But I want us before we could go through the whole, just to give you a bit of a background of the book of Peter. And this is the advice that I'm going to advise the church. Always when, we, when there is a scripture that has been given, like this theme has been given from the beginning of the year, of the month. Let's study that book. When we come every Sunday, when somebody speaks about the book, I mean like this book has got only five chapters. Let's study it. Let's understand the content. Let's also under understand the context or not. When the writer was writing, whom was he writing to? What was the purpose of the letter that he was writing? As the church, we need to be grounded in the word. We need to understand the word of God because it's only in the word that we can grow. It's only in the word that we can become exactly what God wants us to become. Before maybe I go there, let me just give this example as a window to open up for you to understand what I'm talking about. 1994, April the 27th, marked a day in the history of South Africa that, you know, those who were living before 1994, the, the special demand that I'm talking about, that was the day where in South Africa, everybody was excited about that day. We went to go and vote for the government of our choice. We were happy for freedom when freedom was coming. Everybody, elderly people, we were so excited. We went, we voted. Our government that we wanted. Nelson Mandela was put as the president. You know, it was a good mood. The whole year people were celebrating. I'll tell you about two things that I've done. Immediately after that, you know, before 94, it wasn't an easy thing that you could drive into town, especially, I think it was after 8. If they find you in town, being a black person, I'm talking about town, if the whites or the police could find you in there, you must answer, what are you doing in this place? The moment when we were told you were free, we drove to town, it was so beautiful. We went to the spare. I think we were the only four black people who were in the spare in Zanin. But we celebrated the freedom. It was so beautiful. The second thing that I did about when we, we got the freedom was to take my kids from the school in the location. To say, I want my kids to learn with these people. I took my kids to the schools in town, all those things. But there was something 
that I did not really understand what the freedom meant. Today when we speak of this freedom that we speak about, there are many things that we were not told about that freedom comes with disciplines, with responsibilities. When you are given something in your life, it doesn't mean abuse. We are in this place where we are in our government today because many things were not taught to us. We were taught to toy toy, which was good. But after toy toy, we're not, never told again, we are no longer toy toy because we did this before. Now we negotiate. We were not told. That's the reason why even today, anything that comes, we still toy toy. This is the condition of the church today. When we were saved, many things were not told to us. When we came to Christ, we were never told that coming to Christ, it doesn't give you the license to become who you want to become. We were not told that coming to Christ doesn't mean that you must go and eat sin outside. On Sunday, you come back to church and live as if things are normal. Christianity is not about that. Christianity is a lifestyle. What you do during the week is the same thing that you do on a Sunday. What you do wherever, in your house, in the malls, wherever you are, is the same life that God is expecting of you to live wherever you are. That is all about Christianity. The whole book of Peter, especially the first, uh, uh, first Peter from chapter 1 to chapter 5. Apostle Peter encourages those people who were readers or the original readers of his book. Because this is another thing that I always try and tell or teach the people. That when Peter was writing, he had specific people that he was writing to. They were the original hearers that Peter was targeting at the moment. As we read today, we read that and out of that, we today withdraw an application and say, this is what Peter was saying to the people then because we were not there. Matter what is that that we can learn from what Peter was saying? This is what we are going to learn. But Peter encouraged his readers, one, to endure suffering and persecution. Number two, Peter encouraged also the people who were supposed to hear his message by giving themselves entirely to God. The third one, Peter also encouraged them that they are to remain faithful in times of distress. He went further and said, knowing that God will vindicate them and that they will certainly enjoy the salvation that God has promised. This group that Peter was writing to, they were no longer sure of their salvation. They were no longer sure of the things after they were saved, what is the step from where they are to where they were going. But Peter had to write this letter to encourage them. And this is what I'm intending to do this morning. To encourage you as the church. 
to encourage you from this uncertainty of life that we go through. Even though when we are saved, we come to a point where we reach other things or we hit a hole and we still ask ourselves, am I the right place in this place? Is this the right decision that I've taken to follow Christ? But this morning, I'm saying, you are in the right place. Endure those sufferings. That just for a little while. Whatever you're going through, it's nothing before the eyes of God. He actually saw these things coming. And he weighed them and said, uh-uh. I'm allowing these things to go. You remember the story of Job? It's the same. And sometimes people will come and speak many things and say you have sinned. It's not about sin. It's about God looking at you and said, no, 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 no. Devil, I can trust this man. You can go. He will never, never, I know him, he will stand still. He will stand firm. When God sometimes allows these things to come to you, it's because he knows your faith. He knows how strong you can be because you trust in God. God, and God, God trusts the people who trust in him, not who trust in themselves. He did that with Job. People came to Job and speak many things, but Job never wanted to say any other thing except of saying what? I better catch the day of my birth. Not kissing God. This is the message I'm giving you to you today. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Hallelujah. Amen. This pericope where we have chosen, this one from verse, chapter 2, from verse 1 to 10, only those 10 verses is talking about living as new people of God. That's where we're going to be talking about these disciplines of God. The disciplines of salvation. The question is, I know you know this question. You can answer me very well. What is salvation? Most of the time, where I'm free to ask people, I, I, I need two, three people to answer me. What is salvation? You will get 20 different definitions of salvation. But I'm just going to quote it from Ephesians. Chapter 2, verse 8 to 10. Salvation is God's entire work from the beginning until the end. Ephesians reads as follows. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for good things. For good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. None of us has got the right to stand and boast about it. We didn't save ourselves. We were saved by God. You cannot look at their neighbor. 
You cannot look at another person and look down on them as if you did something special for you to receive salvation. None of us deserve the salvation we have today. Listen, it was by grace. I always tell people that when I stand here, I always see the grace of God. I did absolutely nothing better than all of you sitting down here. It is the grace of God that will take you where people never think that you will come out of. God will take you out of there. So when you are seated here, never look down upon anyone else. You did not save yourself. You did absolutely nothing to receive it. It's a little bit tough, isn't it? The word disciplines. I got it when I was just going through uh, the dictionary. It says, and I loved this one. It says, discipline is the quality of being able to behave and work in a controlled way, which involves obeying particular rules or standards. These are the two things in the last few minutes I want to talk about. The disciplines of salvation. Salvation being something that you have been given. You don't have the right for it. And discipline being what? The, the quality of being able to behave. You must be able to behave and work in a controlled, something that has been controlled, by which involves obeying particular rules and standards. And I believe even in the church where we are, there is a manner in which you must behave. Hello? It's not a freestyle. It's not an, we, we don't do what we want in the house of the Lord. Even in, in people's church, we don't just do what we want. We don't just dress the way we want. I'm going to speak these things. These are the disciplines of the church. You don't do as you wish when you come out of your house. You must think of the other brethren who are in the house. These are the disciplines. You must be controlled. If you are not controlled, you are going to damage this church. You must be controlled. You don't say things as if this is your own house. We have to respect one another in this place. These are the disciplines. And if they are not instilled in this place, if they are not enforced, we are not going anywhere. They must be enforced. Somebody needs to stand and speak about them. Hallelujah. <laughs> Sometimes, you, you know, I'm, I'm reminded when, when, when I reach home, there are two or three things that when I enter the house, I always look into. I want to see if the, the dishes are clean. My kids know. I better wake up if they are not clean and wash them. I teach them. You don't eat and not wash your dishes. Who's going to wash them for you? The second one, you don't wake up and do your bed. You must do your bed. If you don't do your bed, you are not going to sleep at the same place. These are just the things to control the behavior of certain individuals. Brothers and sisters, even in the church, is the same way. We need to be controlled. We need to be controlled. Yeah, I don't know what am I talking here. <laughs> the pastor gave us a quotation. Um, 
from Charles Spurgeon. He spoke about the sovereign election grace of God chooses us one to repentance, two to faith, and after to Christian service, to zeal, and the last one to devotion. Um, I was watching in South Africa. She's from our, uh, our village next to Linyanya. I was just watching from the news inside the house, looking. It was so beautiful. There was somewhere here in Greenhouse. But green? Greenside, yes. I noticed two things which are still fresh in my mind. There were a lot of kids when she was coming who were doing grandstanding on the side. When those kids were marching, singing so nice songs, Miss South Africa, the beautiful queen, you know, they were singing. Something that touched me. There were these two old ladies. You can see they're in their maybe late 50s. They may, they may be about to go for pension. You know, they were busy with those kids. Busy like this. I looked at these women. I said, by the way, for this lady to become Mrs. South Africa, there are these big women who doesn't mind how they teach these kids. They don't care if people are saying whatever they are saying. Their heart is at these children. Because when they're busy doing like this, you know, others were just on the side. They don't even care. They don't even, you know, give attention to what these people are doing. They are looking at me, South Africa was coming. But these women, they were so dedicated to make sure that whatever they taught these kids, these kids are doing it. It's so tough. It's so tough. Sometimes we need to walk before you. It doesn't matter what people are saying. There are those things you must still do them in the midst of everybody. Walk before these kids. Walk before these kids. It doesn't matter people are not recognizing you. But whatever you are doing, you are leading by example. They were leading by example. They were showing everybody... Hey, they were not recognized. But they had to do the task they were given. You have a task to do. We may be ignoring you. You think when I'm busy putting the chairs together, I have never seen the pastor come in and say, thank you. It may be looking like it's a very small thing. Keep on doing it. Keep on doing it. Keep on doing it. You are doing the work that God has called you to do. It's not about us, guys. It's about him. Everybody must do what is expected to do. The life of that lady just changed in a few days. Just a few days. When she was going to that place, she had no bodyguards. There were no people who were styling her. Immediately after she was crowned, you cannot go closer to her. <laughs> you may be a friend of her, but when you come closer, there are these bouncers. Because she's got this title, Miss South Africa. What she eats is controlled. What she wears is controlled. Even what she speaks about is 
controlled. When they were crowning the first black man in America, Obama, I looked at that. Wow. The whole family of his was taken into the White House. When the kids were going wherever, they had bodyguards. Yeah, they were driven. Their life changed because of their status. Guys, our life has changed. We're no longer the same. You may not see it now. What you eat must be controlled. The people you hang around with must be controlled. Things you speak must be controlled. You don't speak like you used to do before. Must be controlled. These are the disciplines of salvation. This church where we are, or the church in, in general, is not a man's idea. This is God's idea. God planted himself. It's not a man's idea. When you read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it reads as follows. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new, a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. This is who we are. Once we are in Christ, we are starting to live a new life. That old life, we must forget about it. When you read the same Second Peter, just verse 10, he says these words, once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. This talks about you and me. You know very well that you were nobody. You know very well that if it wasn't of Christ, you wouldn't be here. Some of us deserve to be in jail. Some of us deserve to be dead by now. God saved us for a reason. We are seated here. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 1, it says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. Obeying the devil, the commander of the power in the unseen world, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live like that, following the passionate desire and inclination of our sinful nature. By our own nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. From verse 11. Ephesians says again, don't forget that you Gentile used to be outside us. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision 
Even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. You did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now, you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. I just want us to walk through 1 Peter chapter 2 together. I wish we read our Bibles. I, I wish when we speak, um, can we put that Maybe they can they could see it. There are words. Thank you so much. In NLT translation, it reads as follows. Peter starts by saying these tough words to the Christians or to the believers. He says, therefore, I love it in the one I have here. I see that when it's not NLT. It says, get rid of all evil behavior. He starts there. And these are the words I'm giving to the church. These are the disciplines of Christianity. If you want to walk with God, if you want to live your, a successful Christian life, get rid of all evil behavior. It's possible. It, it can be done in Christ. It was impossible outside. You are now inside. It's possible. The second one, he says, be done with all deceit. The practice of deceiving someone by concealing or misinterpreting the truth. You must get done with that. It's the second thing. And these things are commands to the people who are in the church. The other one, he says what? Get done with hypocrisy. Trying to become something that you are not. This is not the right place for that. If you are called, be called. If you are hot, be hot. You go to Revelation. It says this. You cannot be, be helped if you are trying to walk. The other leg is this side. The other leg is on the other side. If you are called, be called. So that people could help you. If you are hot, be hot. And continue to be hot. You can't live a double life. Double life is not for Christians. The last, the last two, he speaks of get rid of jealousy. That's Peter, it's not me. You can look into your Bible. <laughs> jealousy is a problem among the saints. It's a huge one. We must get rid of that. It's not healthy for the church. The last one, get rid of all unkind speech. There are a lot of unkind speech. Sometimes we do it, you know, in a style. You know, Christians have a, a way of maneuvering their stuff. You know that whatever you are doing is going to hurt your brother, your sister. Live out of that. Leave that. It's not building the house. It's not building the body. 
Hallelujah. When you read James chapter 1, verse 21, it also it says, So get rid of all the filth and evils in your lives and humbly accept the word of God has planted in your heart, for it has the power to save your souls. When you go further, verse 2, Peter gives us a comparison. He says, like newborn babies, you must crave for pure spiritual milk. Peter is not saying that these people that he's writing to, they are immature in Christianity. No, 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 no. He's speaking to people like us who are mature. He says every day, be like children when it comes to the word of God. It doesn't matter the level or the years you have spent in the church. Cry for the word of God. When we stand here, start to speak. Yeah? Taking my time to come and tell you more about my family, my family, my family. The whole message. You must cry for the word of God. Because it's the word that will change your lives. I'm a human being. The things I speak from my own family won't change you. They may only encourage you. But the word of God, it, the word of God, the Bible says, is spirit and it's life. When they come to your life, they change you. As the church, never be pleased when people bring other staff from outside to occupy what the word of God can do. Let's crave for the word of God. You know, crave, when I was reading, it speaks or it's an uncontrolled desire. You must have the uncontrolled desire for the word of God. You must have it. When you are full of the word in you, you will grow. You will grow. The other one that I think it's important is the word pure. Crave for a pure. Never sugarcoat it. Don't mix it with more spices. People who does not really know how to cook, they will take many spices and put them together. Many. Minestrone, norocks, this kind. When you eat a chicken, you are no longer sure, am I eating a chicken or am I eating something else? That's not cooking. People who know how to cook, they only use salt. Only salt. You will hear the taste of chicken. You will hear the taste of beef. It's not mixed with many things. Even the word of God, brothers and sisters, we need it as true as is. Give us as raw as is. Don't worry. Don't mix it too much. Give us as raw. The Lord knows why. That will save us. That will help us. On the same road, he says, cry out for this nourishment. The church must cry out for this word. The church must cry out for this word. I'm concluding. There is an observation that I've done from verse 4 and 5 where Jesus is mentioned as the living cornerstone. And in verse 5, the church or the believers in Christ are mentioned as the living stones. When 
when the church of God has been built, it's been built by the souls. And we need the souls that are alive. You must be alive to be part and part cell of this body of Christ. As I say, we let us crave for the word. It's only the word of God that will change our lives. What is this word? What does this word claim for itself? What can this word do better than the psychologist? Better than the doctors? Better than the politicians? Better than any wise people that we know on earth? I will quote a few, few passages of scripture. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, it says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between souls and spirit, between joints and marrows. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. This is what the word of God claims for itself. Second Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17. It says this way, all scriptures is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true to make us realize what is wrong with our lives. It, it corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. I'm quoting the last two. Psalm 119 verse 105. It says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. The same 119 verse 30, it says, The teachings of your word gives light. So even the simple can understand. Let's close our eyes. We are going to pray. In thee, oh Lord, do I put my trust. In thee, oh Lord, do singing this song, if you need any prayer, just come to the fourth. We are going to pray with you. I am the Lord. Let's stand on our feet. That he Be still and know. Be still and know.